This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Today we head into the woods and talk all things wildlife with the acting Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager, Blaine Clemick. We start the conversation with nobody's favorite topic, CWD in Beltrami County. Well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about with this guy. Blaine Clemick is joining us. He's the interim Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager. He's been in the region for a long time as the uh, the assistant wildlife manager. Now he's uh, kind of sitting in where, where John used to be and hanging on to his uh, some of his duties as well. Blaine, before we get into it anymore, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me, Kevin. always enjoy talking to you. Well, Blaine, you, uh, you're a busy man these days because uh, you have your duties that you always do, and now you've picked up uh, John's duties as well now that he's stepped away. So what are the things you're doing right now? All right. Now, uh, Kevin, we are, uh, you know, in, in the hunting season right now, and uh, some of the things that we're doing, of course, has to do mostly with uh, preparing for the hunting seasons and and carrying them out, implementing uh, our programs. Uh, land acquisition is a big one that we that I still am involved with big time, and um, we also have uh, a uh, uh, project that we're doing right now that uh, we're looking at um, the Division of Fish and Wildlife, um, and possibly doing some reorganization. So that's another project that that uh, staff are, are involved with. And we just, uh, on September 15th, got a new section of wildlife manager, Kelly Straka, uh, who joined us. She's our, our new leader in the section of wildlife. And she um, came from the Michigan Department of Natural Resources. And before that, she, she was working for the Missouri Department of Natural Resources. And she got her start with uh, uh, in the wildlife profession with Minnesota DNR as a shallow lakes specialist. So okay. uh, Kelly Straka, uh, if, if if folks out there haven't heard about her yet, she's joined us now, and she's like I said, our new section wildlife manager. So I understand that you mentioned to me uh, through an email as we were getting ready that you're still spending a lot of time at home, so you still haven't had a chance to really get back in the office and dive in. Well, yeah, and I tell you what, we, you know, considering March 2020, when, when you know, I, I kind of use this phrase, a lot of us uh, were given, you know, direction, directive to, to go home um, and uh, resume our duties there. I mean, carried our laptops under our arms and left our offices in March 2020. And we've been able to, by and large, you know, especially these administrative jobs, um, myself being one of those, we've been able to perform our job duties quite well, actually, from, from home. But I have not been to my actual office at the north end of Lake Bemidji uh, very often. I've just in recent times, about four or five times now, I've been able to work out of my office, but because of COVID, and uh, of course with the new variant out there, um, we've been—you know—if we can work from home, 
continue to work from home. But our field staff, by and large, are in and out of the offices and available to the public. Uh, we have staff up at the regional headquarters, too, that are there. Uh, however, a lot of us are still working from home, Kevin. Well, I, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of things you can do from home now, certainly. And with Zoom, you know, you can do some face-to-face. But yep. uh, I, I'm assuming, uh, you know, you probably miss being able to see everybody every day. Well, you, you've, you've assumed correctly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm kind of an introvert. Uh, sort of by nature, but I'll tell you what, I, I do miss my coworkers. I miss being able to walk over to somebody's office and collaborate and sit around a table and talk about business, talk about uh, our hunting trips and things we got planned. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I miss, I miss uh, the interaction with my colleagues, and I, and I miss the face-to-face with uh, the public uh, as well. Well, you are, and, and we'll air this actually afterwards, but this week um, the the uh, CWD meetings are being held, so you'll get to see some, or some people will get to see the, the public a little bit this week. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. And there there has been, Kevin, uh, other, other things that I've been able to do. I've been able to uh, go visit staff. Uh, you know, I did that in early August, um, kind of did a road tour and popped in on staff and you know, visited with them, and I've been to various meetings and uh, workshops and stuff like that. But um, still, however, like I said earlier, working mostly from home here in Beside. Speaking of those meetings, it's it's about chronic wasting disease in Beltrami County. That was probably that's been front and center. I'm guessing uh, since you took yeah. over the interim job. Yes, you know when when you asked me earlier, you know what what I'm working on. When I get that question, I'll, I always have to kind of pause and think about it because I tell you what, uh, as a regional manager, as an assistant regional wildlife manager, it, it's the, the tasks are just varied, and, and you can go from one thing to the next in rapid fire <laughs> uh, throughout a day, and, and at the end of the day, you wonder what what you did. But um, we keep the we keep the the uh, wheels on the ground. We keep uh, we keep staff in the field uh, funded and and projects and so forth. Uh, you know these kinds of things. But Kevin, you hit it on the head. Chronic wasting disease has been a biggie. Uh, almost the the exclusive focus for several. Well, I'd say several months when we first uh, became aware that uh, the the farm, the deer farm in Beltrami County had some positive uh, captive deer. And and from then on, our focus uh, was chronic waste and disease and what we can do to mitigate uh, what had happened at that particular deer farm. And uh, it's it's widely known that uh, the deer farmer uh, disposed of some carcasses, deer carcasses, illegally on Beltrami County administered land. So uh, that has, without a doubt, been uh, one of the biggest uh, jobs that we've had since uh, April. And and one of the things you have done uh, are, or are doing is putting a fence up, uh, correct? That is correct. Um, we, through uh, the general fund, <clears throat> um, funding from general fund, if 
if uh, folks out there aren't aware, the legislature, last legislative session, appropriated uh, quite a sum of money. Um, I can't remember the exact sum, but uh, I believe it was over a million um, to uh, battle chronic wasting disease in the state. You know, for all of these years, chronic wasting disease funding came from hunter license revenue. And so, you know, we all enjoy deer, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a Minnesota citizenry. So, you know, there's always been this thought that, you know, we should probably get some general fund money, too, to, to fight this battle, chronic wasting disease. So um, through that fund, through uh, that appropriation, Kevin, we were able to build a 10-foot-high woven wire you can call it a deer exclosure because that's exactly what it is. It keeps deer out, not deer in. And so we put about an 11-acre fence, a 10-foot-high woven wire fence, built to DNR specifications around this site where bones from those disposed carcasses uh, were, were uh, well, disposed of on that Beltrami County land. And we got, of course... Um, the AOK from our uh, uh, good friends in Beltrami County uh, Land Department, uh, Richard, um, uh, shoot, I forgot his name right <laughs> off, Moore, Dick Moore, Land Commissioner, and of course the Beltrami County Commissioners uh, gave us permission to build this fence around this site to mitigate, to mitigate, uh, you know, any further spread of chronic waste and disease. So that's up. It's it's operational. It's working. Uh, we've uh, uh, we've monitored their site several times already, and we'll be doing this, Kevin, for a long time now. Uh, you know, we, we figure about a life of 20 years. Okay. This fence, uh, we'll have this fence up, and we'll have staff monitoring it uh very regularly to make sure that, for example, trees aren't growing and falling on the fence, and uh, you know that there's no, um, you know, vandalism, these kinds of things, Kevin, and so forth. So, but right now it's operational. That being said, it's a that's a great step. But we we still, as hunters, when we get out there and capture deer, we still have some things we're going to have to do for the next few years with uh, with our deer. Correct. Correct. You know, for the next three years here in Beltrami County and, and the surrounding uh, deer permit areas, it's not just permit area 184 that's affected by this, but for the next three years, chronic wasting disease surveillance will um, be in place. And what that means, simply put, is that deer that are harvested by hunters uh, during that opening weekend of the firearm season that's coming up, you know, fairly soon, um, you know, November 6th, I believe, is uh, opening day. But for the first two days of the season, uh, hunters that harvest deer are, will, will be required to bring the deer to a big game registration station. Uh, they are uh, listed on the website. So, people in the area want to know exactly where they can take their deer to um, can you know refer to the website to find out the exact locations but staff will be 
will be uh, present at many of these stations to extract the lymph nodes from the deer, and that would be the sample, of course, that we take to, to test to see if that wild animal uh, it has indeed chronic wasting disease. Okay. I know that uh, our listeners in, in Crow Wing County Brainerd area have been doing that for a while now, and it sounds like they've been pretty successful at keeping things pretty close to the vest there. Yeah. You know, one, uh, I, I believe it was only one wild deer that had chronic waste and disease in that part of the world. Um, and as you know, and many others out there, wild deer in the southeast part of the state, even though it's very, very low prevalence rate, um, is is in the wild herd. Chronic waste and disease is in the wild herd in the southeast. And, and you know, we we don't have it in the wild herd up here in the north. So, you know, part of the effort, and it's, it's, it's uh, laid out clearly in the chronic waste and disease response plan that people can refer to as well on the, on the website, that for three years we do surveillance. And then, uh, you know, like say if, you know, I hope it doesn't happen, but let's say if, let's say if a wild deer happens to test positive for chronic waste and disease that would set into motion um, new procedures, uh, additional procedures to battle chronic waste and disease. And, you know, those things, uh, if they would have to be implemented, would would involve things like, you know, uh, maybe liberalized deer hunting seasons, you know, to harvest more, more deer. Uh, and, and in some cases, like in the southeast, we've done some sharpshooting, uh, you know, to take out even more deer if hunters can't harvest enough. But that, Kevin, you got to be abundantly clear, is only, only if uh, if uh, chronic wasting disease is detected in the wild herd. Okay. Which, again, we hope does not happen. No doubt about it. <laughs> That's, it's, uh, you know, chronic wasting disease is a is an always fatal disease in deer. And, and it can affect elk, it can affect moose, it can affect caribou. So all members of the deer family are, you know, if they uh, would happen to come down with chronic waste disease, it's always it's always uh, fatal. And, and the thing about the disease is, is that it's not always detectable by just by observing a deer. Um, you know, in an advanced state, chronic waste and disease in a deer, you know, you can tell. I mean, they got droopy droopy ears. Uh they they look ill. They're 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 emaciated. They they have a rough-looking coat. They salivate. You know, just a rough-looking it's a terrible disease and a, you know, it's a neurological disease and they it kills them and but in many cases you don't know an animal has chronic waste and disease because it they don't show the the symptoms yet. And so, anyway, it's it's just part of the process. Uh, we don't often see the sick animals. It's it's the healthy ones that hunter hunters harvest that uh, could possibly have chronic waste and disease, and uh, that happens in the southeast where a hunter harvested deer looks healthy, uh, but uh, in some cases the samples come back positive. Now the. Um 
so far in the state of Minnesota, it has by and large been controlled to the southeast corner. Where we have seen it further north has always been um, at least started, it seems like, through uh, through farms and import imported deer into these farms, correct? It would seem so. Um, I hesitate to say with you know definitively that that's the case, but yeah, it, it is the case that we first become aware of chronic wasting disease, uh, and it has had a history of that from from a, a deer farm um, first, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it goes from there, and it's trouble. The trouble with uh, a deer farm, um, captive animals that would happen to have chronic wasting disease is that, you know, these prions, these misshapen proteins, which uh, can give rise to chronic wasting disease, can exist in the environment for a very long time. They're they're almost indestructible, and uh, they can be passed on, passed on through urine, feces, saliva. Um, you know, nose-to-nose contact with with other deer, and in some cases, these fences at a at a deer farm, deer elk farm. You know, animals can interact. Uh, domestic and and wild animals can still interact. You know, nose-to-nose through a fence, and these sorts of things uh, can can happen, and probably has happened in the past. Now, I know that I've heard some areas in, in, in other states where it's which been a, a bigger situation. They've had to eliminate or tell people you can't be feeding deer. Is that the case here now? Well, good question, because, yes, in, in some parts of uh, Minnesota, there are these uh, what we call deer feeding and deer, uh, deer feeding and attractant bands, and it, it's a it's a result to, or it is the result of chronic wasting disease, and it's it's a way to, you know, to hopefully um, mitigate its spread. Well, in some places in the state, yes, uh, there are deer feeding bans, and those are primarily counties in the south, uh, and actually not not too much further south uh, here in Region One. Uh, which is the Northwest DNR region, Douglas County is is and Pope, which are two counties that are in Region One, are two counties that have these deer feeding bans. But there's also a deer feeding and attractant ban that's affected uh, or that uh, affects another couple of counties in this region, and one of which is is Hubbard County. Um, that's another county, but. Wadena is another one, Todd County. So, yeah, but as far as Beltrami County and uh, this, this, uh, this new area of chronic wasting disease being detected in a deer farm in Beltrami County, there has not been, as of yet, Kevin, um, any decisions made by the commissioner's office, the DNR commissioner's office, on whether or not to implement a deer feeding and or attractant ban not not at as of this time but i'll have to say it's likely that there will be now um again you're having meetings this week and when we air this uh, by thursday afternoon those meetings will be done those listening that want more information what's their best options then the dnr website you go to that you're going to get all kinds of information um, by just simply 
going to uh, the deer uh, the deer landing page, if you will, um, web page, or, or just type chronic wasting disease, CWD, in the search box on the DNR homepage, you will receive Im- immediately an abundance of chronic wasting disease and up-to-date information, plus, plus the hunting and trapping regulations handbook which is also available in PDF right on the uh, website too, Kevin. Well, there are a lot of other things going on in the woods as well, and we're going to take a look at those next on the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast of becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi, Bemidji, one step further. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast. Blaine Clemick is my guest today. He is the Aki Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager. We spend a lot of time on deer and CWD, but there's a, there's a lot more animals wandering around the woods of Paul Bunyan Country. We're in the midst of uh, pretty much all the hunting season. Some are getting started, some will be starting soon, some are well underway. Um, it's a very busy time of the year for you guys. <laughs> it is. It's a busy time for us uh, professionally, but also recreationally because uh, I would say most of us are hunters, hunters, trappers, anglers, you name it. Um, so you know, we're, we're doing that on the weekends too and maybe even slipping out for a grouse or a, a, an archery deer hunt in the evening and, and these kinds of things. So absolutely. And it's also a good time to go fishing. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, about, I always say that every fall. You know, I should be out there fishing, but <laughs> I, I I never do. I don't do much fall fishing. I should. Um, as soon as it, the water gets hard, I'm out there uh, ice fishing. But uh, mostly hunting for me, you know, personally. Well, we know that uh, you know uh, whitetail is the. It's like the walleye fishing of of hunting, right? And whitetail deer hunting is that's the deal. But there's so much else going on. We know that the bear hunting's well underway. What are you hearing from bear hunters so far this year? Has it been good? Oh, it's been it's been really good, Kevin. Um, we're looking at a, a bear season that, uh, as far as harvest, if if uh, people are into the numbers thing, um, very high harvest so far. Uh, as of uh, um, only last week, harvest uh, was I got a number wrote down here two thousand five hundred and sixty nine uh, bears have been harvested. It's it's eleven percent behind last year uh however it's uh 22 percent higher than the five-year average so you know the the harvest this year is good very strong and you know most people will say and we agree as as uh wildlife managers that this year's harvest was affected by this year's drought um as everyone knows we've been living through quite the drought up until just recently, you know, I, the first time I mow, <laughs> the first time I've mowed uh, since July was just a couple of days ago. So, yeah. um, you know, it was pretty dry over here.
here in Beside and, and, of course, elsewhere in the state. But that affected hard and soft mass production. In other words, uh, berries and fruit and, and nuts like hazelnuts and acorns. And bears, of course, need to pack on a lot of pounds uh, of fat to survive the winter's hibernation. And, and you know, they've been responding by uh, visiting hunters' baits, uh, quite probably more so than a lot of other years, just because of the lack of abundance of uh, the natural foods. Yeah, I, I would have thought it would have been a good baiting season. It seems like yeah. it would be. You know, it, it's slowing down now, Kevin, just mm-hmm. because that's kind of how it works. It's 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 pretty much how it works with most of the hunting seasons. You know, you've got a lot of people that go out for that first uh, week or so, or like in deer hunting, that first weekend, you know, the hunt, the harvest is always very high, and then it just, you know, it decreases from then on. And, and yes, the bear harvest right now is is, uh, is pretty much um, you know, slacked off considerably from, uh, you know, opening day and opening uh, weekend and opening week. So, but that's, right now, the harvest is high. We still have some season left. Uh, so um, people that want to hunt no quota bears, which is licenses over the counter, you could, uh, you could still participate in a bear hunt. Um, but you'd have to uh, travel if you don't have a quota license. You'd you'd have to, you know, go to the no quota side, which isn't far from here. You know, Northern Clearwater County is is in that no quota area. Okay. So uh, we've done. We've talked about bear. We've talked about deer. Waterfowl season. I know duck season started this past weekend. Another uh, potential uh, uh, animal that would be affected somewhat by the drought. I would think. No doubt about it. You know. And some parts of the region, you know, your typical, well, we call them type three and four wetlands, um, you know, these ephemeral wetlands and semi-permanent wetlands that have water in most years. Well, yeah, there's some wetlands were drastically affected by the drought and were dry. However, uh, other places, especially those bodies of water that have wild rice in it uh tell you what around here some of those places the river included mississippi river included and places like upper rice lake which is just south of shevlin and other uh, water bodies like i already mentioned that have wild rice uh, duck abundance is high um and uh the success of duck hunters was high uh we look at the first uh, ever, or at least first ever in a long time, there was an early teal season, I think, back in the 1960s at one point. Okay. But in any event, uh, it's been a long time since there was an early teal season, which was, uh, I think it was September, oh, early September, I think September 4th, was it, I think, through, okay. the, through the 8th, a five-day early teal season. Uh, that was pretty successful. I know of some local duck hunters in the in the greater Bemidji area that did outstanding on uh, blue-winged teal and, and green-winged teal too. It's just uh, it's both both species of teal, but that's come and gone, and that was a successful season. And uh, from reports that I received already this morning from some uh, area duck hunters, 
they did really well this past weekend here in this uh, Bemidji, Beltrami, Hubbard County area. Well, that's that's good news. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the more successful hunts we have, the more people are fired up to be outdoors, and it's good for tourism, it's good for everything. You're exactly right. You know, as, as you well know, so many of the small towns, big towns too for that matter, depend on that that sports sportswomen and sportsmen's dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a trickle-down effect. You know, the people that go to various stores to stock up on on hunting goods and groceries and you name it. Um, hunting is huge. Hunting is, is big business. I know there's a lot of guys who love grouse hunting, too. What have we heard so far? Ruffed grouse, um, that's, that's, that's one of my passions, personally, mm-hmm. uh, hunting ruffed grouse. I get a big kick out of walking on old logging roads and hunter walking trails that we maintain here in the Bemidji Park Rapids area. Um, rough, rough grouse hunting is good. I mean, it, it depends on who you talk to, and it, and obviously it depends on where you go. Um, the uh, rough grouse is an early successional habitat species. In other words, they they do well in uh, in in aspen that's uh, quaking aspen that's of young age, uh, looking for that right mix of habitat. You know, alder and hazel and aspen are like the three big woody vegetation that rough grouse really, really respond well to. And <clears throat> looking back last spring, Kevin, the drumming counts in some areas were up, in some areas were down. But, you know, this drought has had an effect in some cases of, of benefiting some species, and in, in not so much with the food but when you look at uh, a springtime that's wet, you don't have very good nesting success with upland game birds that uh, nest on the ground. And uh, this year, of course, there wasn't much for, for rain in the springtime when the rough grouse were nesting, uh, as well as things like prairie chickens and sharp-tailed grouse and ringneck pheasants. So nest uh, success was high, and there's a lot of young birds out there. And from, again, reports that I've heard from uh, some this morning, despite leaves still being on, you know, mostly on the on the plants, on the trees and shrubs, uh, some guys uh, did well with, uh, with rough grouse and uh, woodcock, which opened last weekend. Yeah, there's so many seasons, I can't even keep track of them. What, <laughs> what else is coming up or has already started that we haven't even covered yet? Well, uh, wild turkey. Uh, oh, that, that's a season. Uh, a lot of people don't think of wild turkeys in the fall no. as, a, as a species to hunt. But we have a season in October, and uh, I don't have it at my fingertips, Kevin, the exact date. But it, it, there is a fall season, a fall wild turkey hunting season that people can participate in. And, and what the unique thing about fall turkey hunting is that you can take a hen or a tom or, you know, a female or a male, and, you know, or, or a younger bird. I mean, they're, they're the, the juveniles, uh, the ones that were hatched this year are fair game too, but just one bird of either sex. But uh, that's a season, to be quite honest with you, something that I had never participated in until just last fall. 
and uh, it was one of the better hunts I've ever had in my life, uh, hunting turkeys. It was uh, exciting as it got. Uh, the, the, the male turkeys don't necessarily respond to, uh, uh, you know, like they do in the springtime. They're breeding in the springtime, so they're, they respond well to, you know, hen talking and so forth. However, uh, I, I approached it similarly as I do in the springtime. I used decoys, and I did use some calls to uh, get their attention, and I, I ended up harvesting a bird. So, you know, if you've never tried, if, if some of the folks listening today have never tried turkey hunt in the fall, I'd give it a, give it a whirl because it's, it's a lot of fun, and, and you don't have a lot of competition out there, I'll have to say, too. Um, so many things to do, so many things to do, whether it's on the water or in the woods or uh, in the fields. Just, um, Aren't we lucky? We are. We absolutely are. And, and you know what? When I talk to people in the DNR and I talk to people in the sporting goods business and I talk to guides, that's, what, that's the refrain I hear all the time. We are so lucky. Yeah, I have to pinch myself. I mean, I, I live over here in Beside and, and I'm surrounded by Hubbard County and uh, State Forest Land. All this public land is all of ours. We all own it. You know, it's uh, it's a blessing. And, and and I talk to some people from other other places, um, biologists from Iowa, where I don't even know if one percent of Iowa is uh, is public. And you know, we've got people that come, you know, drive long distances to Minnesota to hunt rough grouse, to hunt deer. Uh, just because of the wealth of resources that we have, and of course uh, the amount of public land. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's so good, so so tremendous. Well, uh, before we wrap it up today, um, Blaine, uh, you know we've talked very much in depth about CWD, chronic wasting disease with deer. Yeah. What other key things and concerns are going on in the DNR that you guys are keeping tabs on right now? Well, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, <laughs> concerns. Yeah, the drought is one thing. There's not much we can do about it, but I, I know that's somewhat of a concern, at least if it gets to be a long-term thing. No doubt. Um, nothing we can do about it, however. Yet, I will say that DNR, for a number of years now, um, is addressing climate change more than, uh, I suppose, it had ever been, uh, and, and it's it's real. I mean, climate change is is affecting uh, uh, so forth with regard to forest management. You know, we've got uh, you know timber harvest that we do on state forest land and and wildlife management areas. And part of the conversation, Kevin, a lot of times sitting at the table with our forestry colleagues and our ecological and water resources divisions colleagues and wildlife and fisheries colleagues um we're we're talking more and more now about uh you know species composition as far as forest um plants for trees and so forth and what we can do to to mitigate uh the effects of climate change you know the, the longer the longer hotter summers the earlier springs the the warmer winters um, affecting things like disease affecting things like insect outbreaks and so forth so th that is that is a big thing too um, addressing climate change 
Yeah. It, that's uh, I hear that's a, a conversation I hear a lot for certain. Uh, but there is there's nothing else, you know, em, imminent that that appears to be an immediate concern outside of CWD at this point. Not that I can think of, Kevin. That's good. Um, <laughs> you know, a <laughs> concern. Um, yeah, nothing that comes to my mind that, as, as of right now. All right, very good. So now, um, from a fun standpoint, what's next for you? From well, from a free know, time fun standpoint, I just returned from uh, an annual trip that I do out to Colorado, and we did it differently this year. We instead of hunting the second rifle uh, for mule deer and or elk, um, we decided to try our hand at muzzleloader elk. Oh in a different part of the state. So I just returned from southwest Colorado's San Juan Mountains and uh, trying to get my feet under me after being gone for two weeks. Um, We didn't come back with any elk, but uh, we came back with a load of uh, memories and these kinds of things. But now the tensions are focused on Minnesota, and uh, that would be rough grouse for me and archery deer as well as uh, firearms deer hunting season coming up and and you know, just looking forward to settling in uh, and enjoying what we have right here at home. All right, very good. He is the interim Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager, Blaine Clemick, and he's very, very busy these days, as is everybody in that uh, in that world, especially in the fall. Uh, Blaine, we thank you for taking time and sharing with us what's going on. Uh, truly appreciate it, and uh, I know we'll be checking in with you uh, down the road not too long in the future. Well, I look forward to it, Kevin. I really enjoy our conversations. Uh, You get me going on hunting and and, uh, all these kinds of things, wildlife management, and you're going to have a hard time. uh, (laughs) You're going to have a hard time uh, keeping me from going. So it's good that you're cutting me off now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Blaine. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. You can catch the radio show Saturdays on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 in Bemidji, B93.3 in Brainerd, and Kick FM in Alexandria. And of course, multiple times a week, we'll have great stuff for you right here on the podcast.